about three weeks ago, Jim, our regular minister, asked me if I would be willing to speak in his absence this morning, and I, I told him I would. And it's always a hard decision, but I told him I would. And that morning, he preached a sermon, and he talked about, he called it the foreshadowings in the Old Testaments that becomes reality in the New Testament. And the example that he used that morning was from Numbers chapter 21, verses 6 through 9. And when the Israelites came out of Egypt and they wandered in the desert for 40 years, they were complaining a lot about everything. They was complaining about no food. They was complaining about no water. They was complaining about a lot of things. So God sent a bunch of poisonous serpents. And these serpents were biting the Israelites. And a lot of Israelites died from the poison from these serpents. And they complained to Moses about that. And they said, we've sinned against God. So the Lord told Moses to make a snake out of bronze. And they put it up on a pole. And the Israelites were still bitten by these snakes. But if they would look up on that pole at that bronze snake, then they would be, they wouldn't die from the venom from that from that snake, from that snake. So this is, was a foreshadowing in the Old Testament that became reality in the New Testament. And the fact was that Jesus on the cross, that we could look to Jesus and be saved of our sins, just like the Israelites looked upon that pole to be saved from the poison of that snake. Well, I love these things. Jim called it foreshadowings that becomes reality in the New Testament. I call them parallelism. But about that day, I started thinking about the subject matter that I was going to preach on this morning. And since I preached a couple of sermons, actually, I think three on the Beatitudes from the Sermon of the Mount, it didn't take me long to figure out that I wanted to preach another sermon, not on the Beatitudes, but from the Sermon on the Mount. So the subject that I chose was building on a firm foundation, which the Sermon on the Mount takes up three entire chapters in Matthews. So in the seventh chapter of Matthews, we have building on a firm foundation uh, in the last six verses, I think, in, in, in Matthew 7. So I want to use some Old Testament parallelisms to get me to my subject that I'm going to speak on this morning. And the first parallelism I want to talk about is the temple, the plans for the temple that David got from God, that God wanted this temple built. Well, David didn't get to build a temple. He passed the plans on to Solomon, and Solomon actually built the temple. But in the sixth chapter of first kings a whole chapter is de is devoted to god's plans to date david on how to build this temple exact measurements what to build it out of where to get the wood how much gold to use how much silver to use and to give you an idea 
is that the temple was supposed to be 60 cubits long, which is about 100 feet. And I've rounded off some of these numbers. 20 cubits wide, which was 34 feet, and 30 cubits high, which is roughly 50 feet. Explicit detail was given on what kind of wood to use and how much gold was needed, door detail, etc., etc. David passed these plans on to Solomon, and it took Solomon seven years to complete the temple. The plans were the beginning of a firm foundation. Another example is, what about the Israelites when they were still in Egypt? And the tenth plague that God brought upon the Egyptians because they wouldn't, he wouldn't release the Israelites. He brought the death angel. And the Israelites killed a lamb. And that blood from that lamb they put around their doorpost. And when the death angel came that night, he didn't kill the firstborn in, that, in any of those households where they had the blood of this lamb around the doorpost. But in every other household, whether it be a son or a, or a, a cattle or a sheep or anything, the firstborn of all those families God killed. So how does that, how does that relate to the New Testament? John one twenty nine tells us, is Jesus Christ not referred to as the Lamb of God? And does, not, does he not save us by his sacrifice? God plans to save people even as he carried forward to Moses, I mean to Noah. What does 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21 say? To those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built, in it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And the water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So this morning I want to explore the instructions given to Noah on how to build the ark and a temple that we have already looked at and how we can build our life in Christ to withstand to withstand the storms we face. Matthew 7, 24 and 29 is where my lesson's coming from this morning. Building on a solid foundation with plans from God, just as God gave Noah instructions on how to build an ark, it saved Noah and his family. It was a place of refuge and safety. Noah and his family had to come into the ark for safety. And it took Noah and his family 75 and probably closer to 100 years to build this ark to God's specifications. And God's specifications were very explicit. We can also spend a lifetime building our lives to God's specifications. Jesus begins his ministry with the Sermon on the Mount. It was his most extensive teaching. And he teaches us how to begin building our lives on a, on a firm foundation. I want to come back to that last picture. 
But Matthew 7, 24, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Just as God gave the Israelites explicit instructions on how to build the ark and the temple, he gives us instructions through Jesus Christ on how to build our lives. It took Solomon seven years to build the temple to God's plans. See, man, that was a kind of a short time compared to what it took Noah. I, don't, I know that Solomon had help. I don't know about Noah and his family. The Bible is not explicit. But let's look at a structure that was not built to God's plan. The Leaning Tower of Pisa. This structure was started in the year 1173. And it's the oldest structure in Pisa, Italy. It's not far from Florence, Italy, and it's in the what they call the Tuscany area of, of Italy. And it's 183 tall, feet, 183 feet tall, and it tilted at one time at an angle of about five and a half degrees. It's one of the most famous buildings, I should say infamous buildings on earth. But it took them 200 years to finish this. Compare that to Noah's Ark. Now, the reason it took them so many years to finish this building was because they didn't build the building on bedrock. They built the building on sand. And before they even finished the third level of the building, it began to tilt. And they tried to correct this because the upper stories then, they built the upper stories where one side was taller than the other side to try to, to make the, the tower go up straight. Well, because they added weight to the leaning side, it just made, it just made the structure even worse. And by 1990, they closed the structure because it was, became dangerous to the public. And it was 17 to 18 feet off center. That means the top of the tower, if you measured straight down, eight straight down from where the top of the tower was, it was 18 feet off of center. That's a, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good lean. And then the engineers completed a $25 million renovation to stabilize the structure. And the problem was all along with the sandy soil the city of Pisa, Pisa built the foundation on. It has reopened today. So I want to go back. to my verses. The word of God is the foundation for our lives. The structure of the house is what we build our life on. We need to heed the words that are in the Sermon on the Mount. We can't just read them. We need to heed them. Jesus just preached an entire sermon. He talks about doing not listening or reading. He talks about dealing in the Sermon on the Mount. He talked about dealing with anger and adultery. He talked about marriage, divorce, and keeping vows and promises. He talks about 
loving our enemies and what to do with our money. He gave us the Beatitudes, poor in spirit, mourning our sins, being meek, not judging others, etc. But the entire sermon is about doing and practicing, not just listening and reading. The wise man in verse 24 is the one who hears and practices. You can read a book on how to play golf. Mike can tell you. You can read a book on how to choose your club. You can watch a video on how to swing. But Mike can tell you that you're not going to learn how to play golf until you get some clubs and you go out and practice on the course. The wise man is practicing what he hears and reads. 1 Corinthians 3.11, which was our scripture reading this morning, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. The entire sermon, again, is about, is not just listening. We must put it into practice what we are hearing. The stone or rock represents the teaching of Jesus. Verse 25. The rain came down. The streams rose. And the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. The structure also represents our actions and applications of his teaching. The storm, of course, is our tribulations and trials that we suffer in our life. A storm is going to hit both houses equally. It's going to hit the house that's built on the rock. It's going to hit the house that's built on the sand. And it's easier for us to build our house on the sand, we don't have to do as much digging. We don't have to do as much work. But the house built on the rock that takes a little bit more time gives us a basis for a, a life that can deal with trials and tribulations. Bad things happen in very varying levels of intensity. They do not happen with predictability or at convenient times. And I'm probably not saying anything to anybody right now that they are not already aware of. Life is unpredictable. We just never know. The fact is, our foundations, our structures, will be tested. There's no doubt about it. They are going to be tested. What are we going to do when they're tested? We're going to give up. We're going to look for comfort in drugs or alcohol, false teaching. Are we going to look to God for hope in prayer? Have you ever felt anxiety leave the mind and soul after prayer for a particular problem or situation? It's a very comforting feeling ever seen a problem resolved because of prayer. When you pray in situations like that and the problem is solved, 
or even a portion of the problem is solved, what does it do for us? It adds to our faith. It gives us faith in God. It gives us comfort. It wants us to go to God more often even in prayer. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Jesus can be our rock. He does not tremble or shake. He does not change. We can tr trust him to see us through. And no, we may not always understand the why or the reason for our trials and tribulations. But further along, we may see the big picture that God's in God's plan for us. Verse 27. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Will you take the time to build down to the bedrock? You spend with time with Jesus, spend time in the Bible, spend time reading, studying. Or you do, or will you do like the city of Pisa and build your house on the sand? Verses 28 and 29. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as, their, not as their teachers of the law. Jesus is speaking on his own and not from any religious scholars. Jesus is speaking from personal knowledge and his manner comes across as one in the know. We've all been in school, grade school, middle school, high school, college. Have you ever noticed a big, big difference between teachers that were teaching from experience instead of book learning? Where do you think Jesus was teaching from? Do you think it was from experience or book learning? It was definitely from experience. What do you remember the most? Somebody that taught from experience or somebody that taught from book learning? Somebody that's teaching from experience has the knowledge to impart to you what they know and how they learned it because they have that firsthand knowledge of what they're saying. Now, as I read through the entire Sermon on the Mount, I come, I have a lot of questions for myself. Some of these questions that I had for myself may apply to you. So I just want to read a few of the thoughts that I had. Do you put yourself in a position to hear God's word and put that knowledge into practice? When anxiety comes, do we remember to go to God in prayer, meditate on his word? Do we make prayer a daily ritual? It builds relationships with God before the storms come. And storms are going to come. Having heard these words, what choice will we make? Are we hiding something under a basket that needs to shine to the world? 
Are we pulling back and retreating when we need to go forward? Are we failing in courage when we need to speak up? Is our spiritual life a performance for the crowd? I'm going to read that again. Is our spiritual life a performance for the crowd? Ephesians 2.22, and in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Anchor the hope of your life on things that will last forever. Build up for yourselves treasures in heaven. I want to give you something to think about. If you can take it, if you can take it with you when you leave, if you gave it away first, I'm saying if you can, you can take it with you when you leave, if you gave it away first. And I want to read you, I want to read you one of my favorite verses. And my favorite verses in the Bible, I can tell you, changes from decade to decade or 15 to 20, sometimes five years. But my, my favorite verse in the Bible right now comes from Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for you yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasures are, there your heart will be also. And I think these are my, this is my favorite verse right now for several reasons. One of them, my dad's been dead now for close to 20 years, my mother for longer. And I always felt like my dad was trying to build up treasures for himself here on earth. But most recently, my partner who I worked with for 12 or 13 years, and I knew for 30, 35 years, he was my partner for the last 12 years of my working career. I felt like he was trying to store up treasures for himself in heaven. So the fortune we, the forks in the road that we choose to take are often where our heart is leading us. Build your life on a foundation that cannot be shaken. Expect storms in life. Prepare for them. Pray and plan and think ahead. Don't take the easy way out and build your foundation on sand. Cling to the promise of God. So this morning, are you willing to put your faith into action? Maybe you have never become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Are you ready to become that disciple and obey him by being baptized for the remission of your sins? Or if we can service you or be of help to you, our prayers from the congregation, please stand, stand, come forward as we stand and sing.